Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the very latest edition of the Selby is Godcast, where my friend, my cohort, my co-worker, Zach Meisel, is bringing the hell fire and brimstone for this edition of the pod. Hello, my friend. How's it going? You are the bringer of gloom, doom, death, destruction. You essentially have become the angel of death for Tribe fans, so I hope you wear that mantle well that's a little hyperbolic don't you think (laughs) no no i don't think so no i think it's pretty much spot on considering you've you've laid it out the window's closed it's over everyone can go home here in january of course being a bit facetious but this has been a an eye-opening past few days past week as we kind of get more of a plan or a an inkling of what the plan has been and as we near opening day, it seems like the plan is save the money that they've they've allocated uh, or they've gotten from the trades that they made earlier in this offseason, not take that back to the roster, and what you see is kind of what you get. Is that fair? Yeah, so we're recording this Monday, and we hope the quality of this audio is good. We never know when we're not in the same spot, so... Let's get that out of the way here first. But um, just covering your ass, so when you sound like ass later. <laughs> but uh, we felt it was important to record this, though, and and so it's Monday. It's the start of the week, and yes, we had the story on the Athletic this morning about basically there are things the Indians can still do and might still do between now and opening day, but for all intents and purposes. This is the this is the group you're going to war with. I mean, this is you're not going to see some huge free agent splash. Frankly, aside from Harper and Machado and I don't know Kimbrel, maybe. I mean, there really aren't those guys left out there anyway, uh, and they were never going to play in that realm. So, yeah, they can make a trade. They might sign a guy or two to a really really small contract, but that's it. Like this is, I don't think there's going to be the facelift that we thought might be coming, especially after they made all those trades early in the off season to set themselves up in the position to make such a facelift. Uh, so this is it. And, and I think, you know, you, you were joking. I think you were about the bringer of doom and the, the angel of death. I, you know, I, I didn't know exactly the reaction, the story would get, obviously, Look, there's no sugarcoating it, and the front office knows this roster is so imperfect. Like, they're not blind, and and they see that, yeah, they need some help in the outfield, and they need some help in the bullpen. So it's not like you you can't really paint a rosy picture here, especially the way last season went and how it ended. Um, But I think it is important because we get so caught up in Dolan's are cheap and – you know, the window is closed and all these shallow kind of cliches. This is a nuanced topic. I think it's good that we're doing a podcast on this. And I think it is still important to remember that, yes, while you have every right to be angry and upset that it looks like on paper this team is not going to be as good as it was the last couple of years. And you would think that, I mean, that, that's, that's a shame, frankly. They are still a good team. There's still a lot of really good talent. And because of that, 
you know, anything can happen technically. But yeah, the bottom line here is the sky is falling and uh, everything is doomed. <laughs> well, it gets really difficult to focus on all the good when all the good that's been here for the past two years hasn't gotten it done. The past two years in particular, you could point to all the failures and the fact that the roster hasn't gotten better from that point. Now, it's not a linear uh, situation where if you get better, that just means you're going to win it all. That means you're going to win more games. It's not always how this works out. Things happen out of, outside of your control. Things happen that you're not anticipating. None of us were sitting here four years ago envisioning the scenario where Francisco Lindor will be joined by one of the best players in the game in Jose Ramirez, and it would be that duo that would lead this team to their prominence in the division. A lot can happen that you don't anticipate. We know that. We've covered that. And the thing that I think is important to note, we've tried to remain very, very fair throughout this entire offseason, pointing to it being about the big picture. We never once said they've done a great job. They don't need to do anything else. Everything's fine. We also haven't said everything's terrible, that this team has no chance, that everything they've done is without reason and that you can't see uh, any sort of thought process behind it. It was always going to be about what this looked like on opening day and evaluating the, the entire picture of what they put together. Now, we have a pretty good understanding of what that picture is now. So now we can do what we said we were going to do back in October and November when this conversation began. You know, we can start to criticize. We can look at the things that they should have done differently. And to me, there's been a lot of frustration about what they haven't done as far as big time free agents and not reallocating the money that they've created for themselves uh, and giving themselves what I thought was a really unique opportunity, given the landscape of baseball and how teams are not spending to zig against the zag Mm -hmm. with all of that happening. Still, I, to me, the biggest frustration I I would put it more in the realm of the players that have signed that I think should be in the ballpark of where they should be playing. The guys that aren't the upper, upper echelon top tier earning mega free agent dollars into the forties and fifties and $60 million. And you haven't seen many of those contracts period this off season, but multi-year deals to me that it's not about missing on AJ Pollock or not bringing in Bryce Harper or Manny Machado. To me, it's about, the number of deals that have been signed that I think are team friendly, that they have not even there's been no even inkling of their interest, whether it's Nick Marcakis as Drupal Cabrera, Brad Brock. I said, Nelson Cruz, that one maybe is a little bit unfair considering you're talking about $14 million. And now so we know what? that's really, really, really out of the, the realm of their possibility. But to me, those are the deals that should be frustrating more than anything because I I get why they're not going to go out and spend massive amount of money and they can't go out and increase the payroll from where they've been at the past two years. I can buy that. But as a fan, I completely understand why they can't buy that the payroll needs to come down $20 million or it needs to come down anywhere in that, that realm, anywhere in that ballpark. I, I, I'm sorry. I'm seeing too many guys that really fit what they need that could be had on very team friendly deals that they've missed on. And then that's the bigger, the crime that has taken place this offseason, that they haven't even been able to be players in that sort of arena. I mean, we can start at the top. Like, it's what makes this difficult is we never know 
exactly how the team's doing financially, right? We don't see the books. They'll never open the books and prove to us, hey, we lost money last year. Because there have been years where I've heard that they've lost money. And I could just pass along that information and write about it and go on with my day. But I have no evidence backing that up. Why am I going to pass along that information that can only do the team service and like then they don't have to justify what they do. So until that comes, that day comes where I have evidence and I have a breakdown of, hey, this is why we needed to cut $25, $30 million off our payroll in the middle of a World Series contention window. Uh, no, I, I'm not going to just sit here and say, well, the attendance wasn't where they wanted it to be. So they had to shave all this payroll and. You know, they expect you to still come to the ballpark and, and be positive about this team. I, I think that's that's ludicrous. So it's it's a tough spot. And like I, I personally and I wrote in the story, like Paul Dolan needs to address this at mm-hmm. some point. Yeah, you're and right. Not just not just in a puff piece Q&A with a local writer who does it every year and, and everything sounds just like peachy like that. That's not like if you really want to prove a point and and say hey we had to do this then you've got to give a detailed breakdown and, and you've got to do it in, in a, a manner in which the fan base is going to buy it and they're yeah going to I, I, I think it needs to be in front of multiple reporters i think it needs to be in a situation where you can catch a crossfire from from all sorts of situations it shouldn't just be sitting down one-on-one and pr it can't be about that and i I think they would benefit a lot from transparency and that's, yep. I know that's, it's, it's really not up their alley of what they like to do. They're very, very buttoned up. They don't like any information to get out. And to an extent I get that, but this would really be beneficial if things are truly as they've led us to believe in the past, uh, as bad as it could be, as far as losing money in certain situations, it would really be beneficial to show how the money is spent to to see how every dollar has been allocated to see okay well maybe we're not spending a lot on on player salaries compared to what other teams are doing but here's where we invest a ton of in player development or here's where we're really looking into technology and we spend a lot of money here it's just so different much more ways than payroll sure i i just any way that you can point out how things are truly happening would be beneficial then I'm not going to say that fans will say, okay, yeah, we get it. We, we understand why you're not spending money, but it would just be a little bit easier to sympathize with their position when we would know what the truth is and what isn't. Now I'm also willing to buy that, you know, when Forbes puts out their yearly breakdown of every team and how much money they're making and what they're worth, it's I'm willing to buy that. It's not the rosy picture that they paint. I'm, I am because I don't think even Forbes could know every single little detail of what every little team is doing. So I'm willing to buy that. But there needs to be some sort of marriage here. We need to get more information. And if they're not ever going to give it to us, okay, that's their prerogative. But the other side of that coin is you're going to get that speculation. You're going to get that criticism. And it's kind of warranted in this position. If you're not in the middle of a championship chase, doing everything that you can uh, to go out and win a, a championship, even if you have a pretty decent chance of still going out and trying to win a title, which I think they do. You're in, in my eyes, you're not doing enough to prove it to the fan base. 
and this is coming from two guys, and I, I feel like you're in this situation with me where we've been very fair in any situation where we feel like they deserve accolades. We've given it to them. We've pointed out all the, pl- the places the past few years where they've put the chips in the middle of the table and they've gone for it. And we've applauded them for that. In the past, they've deserved it. But the other side of that is when you do some things that I think deserve criticism, you're going to get that back. And the way things have, have gone the past few months, I think the, the criticism is warranted. How do you think things would have unfolded this winter if the Indians didn't play in the AL Central? I, don't I mean, know. if they're in the AL East, like, are they are they are they selling? Dangling Lindor. It this this place where we're at in baseball now, where teams almost take turns in the circle of trying to win a, a championship. Like it's right now, it's the Indians' turn. No, everyone in the division is just going to bow down and say, "Ah, we're not really good enough." So, you go, you try to go win it for this division, and then in a few years it'll cycle back to uh, the Royals and Tigers and we'll, we'll try to give our shot. You get, you'll take a backseat. Like what, what is happening right now in the sport with the way that you have so many haves and have nots. It's really weird. And what, what is best for the business of baseball hasn't seemed to align with what's best for the fans and what is best for winning. It just doesn't seem to, to align here. Yeah. I, I don't know. It, it's, it's a weird spot. I mean, it's last year, was like dreadful it was like a death march i mean they they struggled so much at no point during the season did they ever feel like they were clicking on all cylinders and then they got to the playoffs and like i was a fool and bought into it and thought (laughs) oh they're gonna flip that switch and they got their asses kicked and i just feel like like even if you think all these because they have some intriguing guys who are going to get opportunities here we've talked about them at length because there's been nothing else to talk about. Even if you think those guys are going to thrive, it's like how can you how can that be your sales pitch to your fan base? If you claim attendance is so crucial and that's part of the reason why you have to cut payroll, how do you think that's going to improve? You've done nothing but hurt it this offseason. And I just the, the even if you if it's true if you do need to cut payroll, the method they've done it in is not it's only going to hurt themselves further and it, it seems backwards to me I, I just I really don't get it and I, I think optics and PR are critical for this franchise I know they care about them a lot because they're kind of in this weird fragile state where you know for a long time it was they need to capture fans interest when the Cavs are done and now it's going to be they need to capture fans interest before it goes back to the Browns so it's they're in a weird spot and they're not doing themselves any favors from a perception standpoint. And I just like, yeah, they can they can still win the division with relative ease. I don't think it's going to be as easy as it has been, but they're at a spot now where all of a sudden, like an injury to Lindor sure. or Ramirez or one of those starting pitchers happens and like their floor is so much lower. Like last year, I mean, I felt like they were relatively healthy. Their key players were, and they won 91 games in a really crappy division. And this year they seem to be a little bit worse. They're they're certainly, I mean, maybe, maybe they're about the same, but 
someone gets hurt and like I could see a 500 season if things just don't go things don't go right if certain players don't emerge you know what's mind-blowing though Zach is is just kind of look at the state of this roster and you touched on this a little bit in the piece and I think I even said some of this in our our live chat last week that for a team that has the star power that it does to look at Lindor Ramirez Kluber who is I mean, people are talking about whether or not he's Hall of Fame worthy. I mean, what he has to do to ever get to that level. Carrasco, Clevenger, Bauer, what looks to be a, a really impressive fifth starter who's going to pitch a lot better than that perhaps this year in Shane Bieber. Uh, Brad Hand. You have a lot of star power on this sure. roster. For a team that has that sort of star power, this, the sentiment about that team should never be what it is right now. It should never be as gloomy as it is today. Fans should never feel like a team that is that has that type of, of talent at the top is capable of not living up to really hefty expectations. That is truly, truly shameful because you don't get an opportunity like this with a type of core that they've built and to be in a situation where the majority of it is pretty team friendly. You don't get oh, a spot yeah. like that very often and look at everything that had to go right for them to get in this position. Yeah. I mean, that, that's, <laughs> that's the issue is that the other parts, you know, the non Lindor Ramirez part of the position player group and the non, you know, the bullpen, th- the weaknesses are so apparent and so obvious to the casual fan and the way they got handled in the postseason last year is that that's what, is left in everybody's mind. So that's what people have to work with. And I think that's all so obvious that that overshadows how talented that, that core is. You're right though. I mean, it's like, if you can't choose now to hit that gas pedal, when you have six or seven elite talents, all signed for a lot less than they should be. It's like, when is this perfect storm ever going to happen again? It's 15, it, 20 years from it, now. It, it might a, never. It might right. it I mean, honestly it, it, might never. And so I don't I don't again, this is hard to talk about without knowing ownerships, nets and, and losses. But I, I man, it's hard to believe any team is in dire straits financially. And unless you are in dire states straits financially, with the foundation you've been blessed with, like Man, you have to capitalize on that, even if it makes things a little painful or a little tight for a couple of years. Yeah, but see, the, and this comes back to what I was saying again. It's it's not even that you have to, like you've been going 100 miles per hour down the road, and now you have to even push harder on the gas pedal. Just keep it where you're at. <laughs> like, yeah. just, just don't take a step back. Don't take the foot off the pedal at all. Even if you have to to say that the, the payroll has to say what it is, and even if it has to come down a bit, that shouldn't prevent you from from making some of those signings that that have every day happened. And you text me, well, why couldn't that guy have fit on a four million dollar deal? Why couldn't <laughs> this guy have fit on a five million dollar deal? If and I, I know I mentioned this the, when I was on the radio last week, if if it's Drupal Cabrera. And people drive off the road when they hear his name, but he's go check the, the numbers. He's been pretty good the past few years. If a guy like that, you can't sign because you can't afford 
what it takes on a one-year deal, on a very team-friendly deal, if that's crippling your finances, oh boy, you're in a real, real bad situation, far worse than any of us could have ever anticipated. And, you know, you're right. It is difficult in our position without knowing every single nickel and dime and where it's going. But again, we've, we've offered, we've offered the olive branch. We've offered opportunities and we've said they need to address it. Ownership needs to address it more than just through back channels and a few text messages and some kind of clouded statements. They need to come out in front of the public and address this and give us some clear cut indication of what is happening and why it's happening and not just send out Chris Antonetti to do it. When in reality, we know Antonetti, if it were up to him, he absolutely would not be pulling back on spending for the sake of making the team better in the long run. He'd be finding ways to do spending at least what they're spending now and making the team better in the long run. It's, it's not up to him. He's not sitting down with Mike Turnoff today and going, let's see, how can we cut the payroll back today just for shits and giggles? It's not up to him. This is clearly mandated from above, and it would just be nice for us to be able to pass it along to fans to have a clear indication of what is happening. And until they give us that, all the speculation, all the criticism is fair. Is there anybody left out there free agent wise who you would be targeting for one of the, whatever they can afford, whether it's like a one year, 25 cent contract. I don't know. <laughs> uh, let's see. Do I want to spend this on a free agent or the gumball machine looks fun? Um, I mean, yeah. It's it's not to say, and, and that's that's also part of the frustration because there still are some guys that could help this team out there, but they're right now they're they're essentially telling us that they can't even afford that. Like, I'm not a big Adam Jones guy. I'm not sure that he's a gigantic upgrade of which you already have. But let's say that he even is. Oh, you're telling me that they can't afford whatever. I don't. What is it? A one year contract for him or or Carlos Gonzalez? You can't get Derek Dietrich in here, who has been pretty good against right-handed pitching and plays a few different spots. And it, even if we're removing spending, it doesn't prevent them from going out and making trades. Why aren't you blowing down the doors to get – if you can't spend, then why aren't you blowing down the, the, the Cardinals' doors to go get Jose Martinez, regardless of what they're saying publicly? Why aren't you finding a way – and I know you're not a big fan of the one-year deal with Castellanos, but, God, he fits so tremendously – why aren't you finding a way to get that done? Sure. Yeah. There are other ways to do this besides spending a lot of money. And I understand that they don't want to waste all of their assets before the season starts. We spent, what, six months talking about this last year, about how way, ways that they can improve the team throughout the season and kind of evaluate things the way that they are. But we know what the warts are today. And we know that if you fix them today, you probably won't have to fix them in July. So – I think there's going to be know. too much to fix in July. I think that's the problem. You know, you had to give up Francisco Mejia to get Brad Hand. Well, I don't know that you want to give up Tristan McKenzie to go acquire sure. the best out reliever out there. And then what do you, you know? What's your great? Outfield? You know what's great about free agency? Doesn't cost you, you can, prospects. Exactly. You just sign the guy, and it's just money. I know it's easy for us to say when it's not our money, and we're not running the business. I, I don't know how many times we can say that, but. That's the benefit over having to make a trade is that you can not have to waste prospect capital to get something like that done. Yeah, I will tell you one guy who would fit perfectly is Mike Moustakis. But like if he gets yeah. a, what's he going to get two years for 
I don't know, he made he got six million last year. Like, can he get? <laughs> yeah, is he going to get two for two for twelve, two for fourteen? Like, he, yeah, he would fit perfectly at third. You move Ramirez to second, and then you don't have to rely on Jason Kipnis bouncing back. Like, how nice would that be? The dude hit twenty eight home runs last year. He hit thirty eight the year before that. He's a guy who's had an OPS between like seven seventy and eight forty over the last four years. Like that, that's this dude would be hitting like third for them. I mean, he, you, he would fit perfectly, <laughs> yeah. but, but if you can't, sure. the frustration is that if you can't make that sort of small upgrade, when in a normal free agent year, four or five years ago, he'd probably be getting like five for 80. Like if you can't do that, then th- that's, that's, that's the shame. Yeah, I agreed. And, you know, I brought his name up when we did our diamond dialogue last week and you brought up some trade candidates too. All of those guys make sense. So that's the, the small part of this where I think a lot of this falls on ownership. They're the ones with the mandate, and they're deciding every year, setting what the payroll would, would be. The small part of this that I will put on the, the front office and Chernoff and Antonetti is, okay, the, that, if that's reality, you have to find a way around it. You have to. You can't look at this team and say that, well, things might go right, they're right. Things might go right. Jake Bowers might blossom into a 25 homer bat with 30 stolen bases this year. It could happen, but wouldn't you like to minimize some of that risk? Wouldn't you like to not have to count on that? Where if it does happen, all of a sudden it's like gravy. It's a bonus. It, it's adding to what you already thought you could be. That's a situation I would rather be in. And it doesn't appear like they're going to drastically change that. You know, why can't, why can't, a guy that fits extremely well on this team. Why can't Marwin Gonzalez be had? Well, you know, why, why is that so far out of the realm of their possibility that in the, the middle of trying to win a title, they can't go out and get a guy that fits their roster extremely well. That, that to me, it, it all comes down to a, a, a much of this frustration is about some of these guys that should be close to what they, the, the, the ballpark they need to be playing in that they're not, taking advantage of yeah do you want to do a little glass half full exercise since this has been so uh depressing for all the tribe fans listening (laughs) no it's therapeutic because you and i have been sitting on our ass all off season ready to come out with this take by the way but in the interest of fairness and justifying our opinions and everything else we've we've been very patient with this and now that we're at a point where we feel pretty good about things not drastically changing before opening day. Now we can kind of unload what we've been thinking. And to be fair, it's also a result of Intel that we've received. I mean, it's, it's not like we're just like, Oh, Hey, let's just drop all this today. I mean, it's <laughs> like, we've been told this is likely the course and, and things can change. I mean, if they go out and they sign Craig Kimbrell and Manny Machado this week, <laughs> I mean, I'll have a few angry texts to fire off to some sources, but uh, <laughs> I mean, hey, then hey, wouldn't wouldn't that actually be a result, a direct result of you? Well, we can... wouldn't fans have you to thank for putting pressure on the front office with that piece today? Yeah, we can play it off like that. <laughs> but I mean, they're they're okay. Let, let's let's think positively here. Here's one idea I love. This is I'm grasping. Top prospect Tristan McKenzie, the number 41 prospect in all of baseball. Pitched in double A last year. He'll probably start there or in Columbus. 
what if he is like their secret weapon out of the bullpen in the second sure. half? Yeah. Isn't that tantalizing? Yeah, he's the next Chris Sale or uh, David Price. Yeah. Both debuted, I believe, in the bullpen in their rookie years. Yeah, absolutely. Sure. Let, let's do that. Okay. Are you, are you telling me that that's going to happen? Uh, I mean, that I, that... it's an option, though. Just like John Edwards is an option. <laughs> sure. They love yes. him. He's fully they healthy. Do. He had a really rough Tommy John recovery and uh, just like a lot of health and life stuff. And like he's finally at a place where they think he's ready to emerge because um, he's I know teams have liked him in the past. He was with Texas. He was with San Diego. So he's an option. Throws kind of hard. Not an option. I feel like I'm penciling him into the bullpen today. Okay. Well, let's stick with the bullpen. I mean, you got two lottery tickets, Danny Salazar. And I think Cody Anderson is going to be interesting. He's healthy. It seems like they're resigned to the fact that he's going to have to help them out there. Um, we know he was throwing a lot harder when he after he had his surgery. Now you stick him in the bullpen, tell him he only has to throw an inning. Is that intriguing to you? Uh, somewhat. That's the problem, though, that there's a lot of somewhat intriguing guys there. There are, there are, I feel like we've hammered this before, too. There are situations where, yeah, I could see Danny Salazar coming up and throwing 90 innings out of the bullpen for them and looking like a, a friggin' monster and, and nuking opposing teams. I could see Cody Anderson coming out of the bullpen and using his heavy balls to get tons of double plays. Yeah, I could see that happening. Does that mean it's the most likely scenario? No. It's also not extremely like, likely that Nick Goody is as good as he was in 2017 or that uh, Justin Grimm found something in his delivery last year that now he's going to be a pretty Ooh. steady setup man. All, all of these things could happen, right? Like, they Who? could happen. Who? Come on, man. I'm trying to play this game with you, and now you're you're doubling back and burying no, me. No, I'm, I'm saying, don't forget about Chi Wei Hu. Ah, uh, okay. The reliever they acquired from Tampa Bay. He apparently has a good changeup. He does, yes. He has a tremendous changeup. Who knows how it would react in relief. And Rodriguez, who they acquired from the Nationals, he's a fireballer. Not quite sure where it's going, but maybe he harnesses uh, the life of his arm and is able to somehow get it around the box, around the strike zone. And he turns into a pretty good reliever could happen. Yeah. It, they have like 10 to 12 interesting options. I just don't know how they're going to figure out who the best ones are. Yeah. Throw them in a hat essentially yeah. and draw names out. I, I can't differentiate between a lot of them. And I mean, thankfully they have spring training to do that. I feel Here's one thing where I actually will say something positive. I think the depth of their bullpen is they're they're heading into a a year here this year in a much better situation than where they're at last year. Because last year it became the Matt Belisle show and Carlos Torres they, they were signing, and and those guys had real legitimate shots to make the bullpen, and Belisle did. This year if they 
have an injury or they have guys that are ineffective last year. I mean, they were just running through options like nothing. And they eventually stumbled onto Oliver Perez, who is back in the bullpen, an actual free agent they signed. But this year, I'm not saying that any of them are going to be extremely good, but I feel like they're in a heading into spring. They're in a better situation to pick from than they were at this point last year. Do you agree with that? Yeah, I'm not as concerned about the bullpen because I think they have. You're I right. Think the like, depth is all right. Yeah, they were. Cycling, I'm, not, I'm not sure about the quality, but right. the depth is all right. They were cycling through the same guys last year, and it was like, all right, Bellavo's up today. Evan Marshall's down. All right, Ben Taylor's back because Bellavo pitched three days in a row. Uh, and it, they just kept rotating through. The, I was like, remember Alexio Gondo? Like, what was that? Lost them a game in Yankee Stadium. Yeah. So, I, I'm actually like, I, I, I think it's super risky. And I've said all winter they needed to sign one, maybe two, sure things. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think Oliver Perez counts. No. No. And that's not. By the way, that's not to say that I think he's going to be bad. I just think they need more of a right-handed full inning option. Yes. I just, I, I think, I think the bullpen is intriguing. I think so many people want to say, Oh, they lost Allen and Miller. And it's like that, that the, the Allen and Miller of 2018, they're not going to miss it. It's the Allen and Miller of 2016, but the, those guys, I don't know that they're ever going to be those guys again. So anyway, I think if they can identify quickly who the legitimate arms are in this bullpen the bullpen has potential it's just going to be really difficult when you've got like 12 guys who have upside but are complete question marks i don't know how you figure it like that can take a long time and the the issue here like last year is that's how you end up taxing your starting rotation and then you get to yeah. september and october and Corey kluber's gassed and carlos carrasco's gassed Although I can make the argument that Carrasco should have just pitched and continued to pitch in game two. Uh, it becomes easy to forget that Carrasco and Clevenger shoved in both of those games. Uh, looked tremendous. And unfortunately, uh, bullpen let him down and Kluber let him down in game one. Well, they had no uh, offense, but at least they solved that by acquiring Jordan Luplo and um, Kevin Ploiecki. Yeah, they do think that Ploiecki has some upside offensively. Okay. I'll, hey, that's another positive. I think Pulecki is a very solid backup. Okay, so they have two <laughs> backup catchers. Um, I mean, I, I like is, is, is Roberto Perez ever going to make me look smart by saying, hey, hey, hold on. Give this guy another opportunity. I think he's better offensively. I think that if he would play every day, that he would not be as bad as he's been offensively. I feel like we're running out of time. Well, shit, you're going to find out. Right. I mean, this is the year to learn. I <laughs> yeah, think no it's kidding. a lot harder to speak positively about the lineup. Uh, Jake Bowers is intriguing. He was a highly rated prospect. He looked the part for a month or two last year and then fizzled. You've written and spoken at length about what he's tried to attack this offseason to improve his hitting profile. Okay. Fine. Sell me on that. Maybe he has a nice season. But, like, he's probably hitting fifth for you and is going to get 600 at-bats. And, I, I like, 
outside of him, then then you got to talk me into Jordan Luplo. Like Greg Allen, I think can be better than he's shown. He he's had a really good walk rate in the minors and stole a lot of bases, and he hasn't really done that in the major league level. So and look at his. I mean, in, in fairness, in fairness, in August and September, he his numbers are actually pretty good. He was like ten percent above average in the last two months. Yeah. So so can he do that? Can he sustain it? Like I I don't know. Like I like him, but I think that he's probably more of a fourth outfielder. Um, you know what? Or you, your you, third best. You outfielder. want. Sure. You want Greg Allen to go into the season as your fourth outfielder and demand that you play him more because he's just that good. Right. You don't want to be in a position where he's just playing every day and you're hoping that he's good. You want, to, you want him to play himself into being the everyday guy wherever he's going to play at. That, and that's kind of how I look at most of the outfield. It's like uh, Tyler Naquin. We've seen in flashes him – uh, actually be pretty decent, at least against right-handed pitching. Mm-hmm. I would love to be in a position where you head into the season where if Tyler Naquin just figured something out or he's just not going to get injured anymore, <laughs> which with the way he plays, that's always questionable. Uh, I would rather just see him develop into, hey, you've got to put him in the lineup because he's left you no other alternative. He's that good. Remember, he hit his way onto the team 2016. Yeah. Right, and that, but that's the situation you would rather be at with right. all these outfielders. Right, where it's like, wow, did you see how good Oscar Mercado looked in spring training? You can't deny that guy. You want to be in a position where you're not just plugging them in and hoping that happens. That they they force the door, they kick the door down by the way that they play. That that's the situation you want to be in. Yeah, and so I think the bottom line, and we've we've said this, but let's emphasize it, is that there's nothing wrong with having some of these these players, these, I don't want to say lottery tickets, but like just intriguing options who are low risk, medium to high reward. There's nothing wrong with that. The difference is that you look at Houston, New York, and Boston, and like those are the guys fighting for the 25th man, 25th spot on the roster. Like the Yankees bullpen, they signed out of Eno and they re-signed Britain. And it's like, yeah, the Indians have some intriguing options and maybe they eventually get it settled and they figure out, okay, Jeffrey Rodriguez is this flame-throwing setup man, and John Edwards is who they hoped he would be. But, like, for the Yankees' bullpen to falter, you'd have to have several guys with extensive track records who throw really hard just crumble and fall victim the other, to the bullpens are random. For the, the Indians, other night for, that, I, for that to happen with the Indians, like, it's pretty simple. Guys just do what they've done. The other night I'm listening to MLB Network Radio as I'm out doing a food run, and... A caller phones in a New York fan, Yankee fan, and he is complaining that they have too many guys in their bullpen. Too many. <laughs> He's complaining, what in the hell were they doing signing Ottavino and they don't need Britain? What a waste of money. And I'm thinking, wow, what an interesting development that is compared to what Tribe fans. Or, you know, not just Indians fans, but uh, Cubs fans, Dodgers fans. Twins. There's been Twins fans, yes. Like, what are they doing in this position where the Indians are cutting payroll? And so are they. Uh, there's a there's a lot of head scratching things happening around baseball right now. That's weird. I can see why the players get frustrated. I, I can. At the same time, though, they signed up for this. They agreed to this structure. Teams aren't doing anything illegal here. They are just playing within the the game within the. The, the structure of the CBA, this is what the players agree to. If they want to change it, they, they have to change it. 
What do you want to do in 2022 when there's no season? I'm thinking about uh, taking up water skiing. Okay. Any, any interest in that? No. Um, I failed swimming lessons in kindergarten, so I don't think I'm... How do you fail swimming lessons? I know, right? So I don't think that's up my alley. All you have to do is put your head underwater. You've succeeded. You won. Well, you pass. Five-year-old Zach didn't handle it. So, I, I <laughs> yeah, I mean, we're headed for a strike, and I... I'm glad you brought up what the other teams are doing, though. It's like, for as frustrated as Indians fans have the right to be about how this offseason has played out, if you're a Twins fan right now, like, how, how are the Twins not doing more to go for it? I don't understand that. And you can make the same argument. It's like, okay, I, I guess I get, I don't know what their finances, financial situation is. I don't know what their TV deal is. I don't know what it's, their it's so, is. Yeah, it's similar to the Indians and their TV deal. So, like, I get it. If you don't want to sign Harper or Machado, fine. But how are you not signing those guys at the margins who are going to just improve your roster just the, a little bit by a little bit so that you can contend more? Like, I, I don't understand that. There have been so many reasonable contracts so far. And for some of these teams to not – to, like, dip their toe in the water but not go for it is – it's agonizing. Yeah. I mean, you could, we could spend hours upon hours talking about the business of baseball and how teams now, you know, whether it's revenue sharing that has se- severely limited their incentive to go out and want to chase attendance and chase wins, and it's not going to impact the bottom line that much based on winning and losing and all these things that have happened to the sport. I mean, it is really complicated. I've tried to really dig in and – and understand it more, not just from an Indian's perspective, but from a baseball perspective. And it's a complicated issue. It's it there's there is not one like as you as you kind of look through the reasoning of how we got here, there's not just like one culprit that you can say, aha, well, if we fix this, that'll unlock everything else. Well, no, not necessarily. You know, even and I've heard the the revenue sharing argument where it's like, well, if the Yankees got to keep more of their uh of their attendance and the, the money that they generate from people coming to the games and everything that they generate from a revenue standpoint, if they got to keep more of that, they would have more of an incentive to generate more of it. Okay. True. But you remember when the Yankees used to just go into every off season out, spend everybody like that wasn't really fun either right. for everybody else. So I don't know what the answer is. I really don't. I don't envy being in any uh, situation, the players or the owners at this point. Because I think you're headed to a very, very difficult uh, meeting of the minds where it's going to be very challenging to kind of try to come up with any sort of agreement on some of these things. Yeah, I agree. Uh, and it's it's so complicated, and it's it's why we can get in arguments on Twitter. It's it's you're never going to be able to fix all the issues in 280 characters at a time. So, you want to do a random Indian? I would love to do a random Indian. Before we do, though, I want to say a special shout out to a trio of gentlemen who have recently, well, I assume they're gentlemen based on their names. They might not be gentlemen. They might just be gentle people. Uh, but three names that have recently left us five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts. That is DSuds0024, Andrew Lucktack, and Mike Redson, Reducen, Redison. Uh, any one of those pronunciations, but uh, recently left us five-star reviews, and I want to say a special shout-out and thank you to those that have. We appreciate it. Yeah, thank you, gentle people. Uh, all right. 
this person played for the Indians. I didn't realize this twice, two different two stints. Each was uh, one season, but not even. I don't know. This is the full year. Okay, this person played. Two so give me the clue again because you just gave it in the very suckiest of ways. Well, I was confused by it'll be easier to explain after. Two, All right, I'll trust you. Two stints with the Indians each for one season. Um and I can't give you that. It was the twilight of his career. This is a position player and we're talking mid two thousands Indians. Oh wow! Okay, mid two thousands. I need more. I need more. Grand total of eighty games with the Indians, and actually was somewhat productive. Two hundred and thirty seven plate appearances. He slashed two eighty two, three thirty eight, four eleven. Oh man. But only 80 games. Yeah, hit a whopping four home runs. Uh, man, I can't think of anybody that would have played that few of games over two separate stints. Um, Jamie Carroll. No. Uh, Did he have a second? I don't think he had a second stint. No, but you're on the right track in terms of role. And that's why he only played 80 games. Um, The first stint was 71. The second stint, only nine games. And that was the end of his career. No. Oh, man. Both times they just signed him to a one-year deal. I think he just made like half a million bucks. I can't think of guys that played like that utility role with them. Second, short, third, first, left. Wow, left field too. Wow. Uh... Left field was only, it was four games in left field. Uh, I don't know. I'm surprised by this. Uh, He was originally drafted by the Red Sox in 1992 and then again in 1993. Played for the Red Sox for one, two, three, four. Spent parts of five seasons in the majors with them. No, six. And then he was claimed by the Padres, spent a couple months there. And then that's it. Then Indians spent a year with the Angels, back to the Indians, spent a year in the minors with Oakland, and that was his career. So overall, nine parts of nine major league seasons, but only 423 games. Uh, what a weird career. Um... He was also born in Massachusetts, so I'm sure playing for the Red Sox was very cool for him. Uh, is it Lou Merloni? It is Lou Merloni. 
who now works for what NBC Sports Boston, I think. I think you might be right with our buddy Evan Drellick. Um, yeah, Lou Merloni. I didn't realize he was actually in '04. He was pretty good. Yeah, I do not remember much about that other than Ben Broussard, I think, hit, what, seven Grand Slams that year? Something to that effect. That was the weird year. Because that year and 2006, they started awful and then had, like, a second-half surge to get... Yeah, well, I mean, they, near that was a year That was a year before, I think, the team anticipated starting to be good. Uh when they had a lot of younger kids and kind of some mix and match parts. And I, f- I feel like everyone at that point wasn't expecting them to, to get that close. But I think in, in Oh four, if I'm not mistaken, at one point, didn't they get so yes. Didn't they get within like a game or two so of the I twins? I remember this vividly. Um, they were eight games back on August 4th and then they got hot and they won one, two, 10 of 11. Yeah. 10 of 11. And they got to within a game of Minnesota and they were hosting Minnesota and they had a game on Sunday where if they won, they'd be tied atop the division and they lost in extra innings. Um, And I'm looking now, let's see the box score here. Uh, Just give me the lineup from those days. All right. Leading off at second base, Ronnie Belliard. Hitting second at shortstop, Omar Vizquel. And take this, Hall of Fame naysayers. He was hitting 304 at the time. What? Matt Lawton, third. Casey Blake, cleanup. Hafner, fifth. Hafner had an OPS over 1,000 at the time. Uh, on this particular day, Josh Phelps was at first base, and that's because Terry Mulholland was on the mound, a lefty. <laughs> so, yeah. Normally, that'd be Broussard. Coco, seven. Grady, eight. Tim Laker was nine on this day, but Victor Martinez um, would normally be in there somewhere. Like, the, the lineup, I mean, the lineup in 05 and 07 was pretty good, and this is, like, you can see the seeds planted. Sure. Um, but that the pitching matchup that day was Chad Durbin against Terry Mulholland. Woo-hoo. Good uh, seats still available. Yeah. And then Rick White gave up a homer to Corey Kosky in the 10th inning. So they lost. And then after they lost that game, they lost nine in a row to fall out of it. So they got close, but short lived. Wow. And then later that at the end Nobody's... of that month they beat the Yankees twenty two to nothing at Yankee Stadium. When I think oh, Omar yeah. Omar had six hits or something like that. Yeah, six he had a big hits. day. Yeah. All right. Well, now that we've relived Lou Merloni, a guy that would probably still fit pretty well in the Indians outfield, we can remind <laughs> everybody to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Anchor, and any of the several places you can subscribe. Just search the Selby is Godcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at TJ Zuppi, at Zach Meisel, and find us on Facebook. Search the Selby is Godcast. You can find us there. And we'll start to, as that page begins to pick up some more steam, hopefully have some conversations over there and just be a good dumping ground to remind you to go listen to the podcast every single week. And, of course, 
We'd be remiss if we didn't mention, go subscribe to The Athletic, you dummies. What are you doing? We have deals all the time. It's like 40% off. You're scrolling through Instagram. I'm finding 50% off. I mean, there are ways to subscribe. Hit us up. We will help you if you want to subscribe. Uh, and be sure to subscribe at the bottom of our articles so we give t- we get tons of credit. That's what we always want, tons and tons of credit. Uh, any parting words for our listeners this week as they now have survived the doom and gloom that you've brought? Yeah, I-, I wanted to say, despite the overall sentiment toward this offseason, it's still a good team. It should still be fun. There are still things to watch. There are still an amazing rotation two extremely talented position players. And so if you're frustrated at the front office, if you're frustrated at ownership, of course that's understandable. But I think it's also important to note that the team still has a good chunk of talent and it's going to be interesting to see what they do and if they can compete and get some of those players to blossom Mm -hmm. like they're banking on. Um, And I'm, I'm at a point where I'm ready to get to the season. I think I'm ready to get to Arizona and, and see this thing start to unfold. And I'm sure the players are too, and hell, probably the front office to get past some of these off-season storylines and actually find out if any of the guys that they're going to be counting on actually are going to be worth counting on. I've, I've said it before, and I think it still holds true. The frustration isn't that this is a bad team. The frustration is this is a really good team that could just use a little bit more help, and they're not getting at this winner. Uh, we thank all of you that have listened each and every single week and stay warm. Five star, five star reviews rolling in. I mean, what else are you going to do as your fingers are freezing off and facing the Arctic chill that is about to hit. And what, what do I, well, I think I was seeing like teens and, and then and what it's supposed to feel like down to negative 40 or something. I mean, I'm, I don't even want to go outside. Yeah. Anymore. I just saw our buddy, August Fagerstrom who now lives in Milwaukee posted like a picture with the projected wind chills across the Midwest. And they were Ugh. all like, it was like negative 65 and Ugh. oh man, what do you do with like, what do you do with pets? I mean, you can't leave them outside, but if they have to go to the bathroom, how long can you spend outside before you are stuck in place? Well, <laughs> it's not quite the day after tomorrow where the storm comes and you freeze instantly, but, probably pretty close i don't think it's quite to the level where once you start going to the bathroom it is like frozen to you if it's ever to that level then just i don't know let them pee on the floor (laughs) just keep them safe bring your pets inside you dummies we're out of here see ya